We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hello, hello. You're listening to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 78. Our guest today is a guru in horsemanship. He has done everything from working with Mustangs to working with show jumpers, dressage horses, Western disciplines. He is so well-versed. He has his own podcast called The Heart of Horsemanship, and he also provides lots of clinics and coaching around the country and online. So without further ado, let's hear it from our guest, Colton Woods. Seems like you have your hands in a lot of things right now when it comes to training and horsemanship and all that. So I'd love to hear about your story, kind of how you got started, how you were first introduced into the equestrian world. You bet. Yeah, we definitely, today we have our hands in a lot of different pots from breeding to training to hosting clinics or teaching clinics, teaching lessons are all around the country. We got a podcast of our own. And so like, it seems like we're a digital media company that happens to train horses some days yeah. with all the things that go into it. But at the very beginning, I didn't grow up around horses at all. I actually grew up in a family that was international business-minded. My dad had a company in North Carolina as once one in overseas, which fortunately I got to have the opportunity to live in China for two years when I was in middle school and got to experience a whole different kind of lifestyle and grew up kind of inner city kid playing all the sports and all that kind of stuff. And then always had a passion for agriculture and the land. And I enjoyed horses, but never had any experience for them and, or with them. And then when I was 16, I was able to buy a car and start that whole deal. And I was like, I've been working for my parents since I was 13 out in their warehouse and I always would save money. So I got this car and I was like, all right, I'm going to a horse farm. I am going to a farm. I don't care. I just want to be outside. I don't want to be stuck inside because I saw my dad traveling a lot as a kid. And my perception was he spent all his time in an office, whereas reality is he spent all his time in an airplane. (laughs) And I do enjoy traveling, but it wasn't how I wanted to spend my days. I like being outside and around the animals. So started a hunter jumper farm and where I kind of started learning the basics and just basic kind of barn help, helping with summer camp, helping tack up horses, all lunging, helping free jump horses, all that stuff. And then went from there and worked with an Arabian horse facility, which I worked for them for four summers and got to learn really how to take care of high-level performance horses. Mm -hmm. And we would travel. My first horse show that I really went to with them, we took 33 horses. Wow. And it was crazy. And But for me, it was my first horse show. And I'd only worked for them for three days. And so it was my second summer round horses, three days in, they're like, hey, you're going to Virginia with this horse show. I'm like, okay. He goes, it's going to take two trips. And we got like three or four trailers. And I'm like, okay, no big deal. So my first horse show was 33 horses. And that really set the stage. So I was like, okay, this must be normal. This is how they are. (laughs) Yeah. And now I know that is totally not normal for most people. But I learned a lot traveling with them. We got to travel up and down the East Coast into Canada every summer that I worked with them. Okay. And learned everything from hauling a nine-horse trailer with a freight liner across the country to just taking care of performance horses. They ran a very nice business, had great clients. So I really got to see how they took care of their clients mm-hmm. um, and how it could be in an environment where you have clients that sometimes don't fit the mold and how you handle those types of situations as well as how you really create an environment in a community within your clients that you can really enjoy. So long story short, I 
worked for them for four summers, but I volunteered some of my high school community service hours at an equine rescue. And what I noticed with that group was that I was there as manual labor. I was young, yeah. young guy that I could pound T posts and stack. Hey, so that's really what they were like, that was my function for them. And I was there about six, eight months. And I really started to notice that the horses would get fit and they'd get to looking a lot better. But what happened was they were never finding homes. And I was hmm. so new to the horse industry. I'm like, why aren't people like, they're nice horses. They're sweet to be around. Why aren't they going anywhere? And people were saying they don't know enough. Um, they're two, three, four, five, six years old mm-hmm. and they have no education. And so been working for these performance horses. I knew how to lunge a horse, you know, how to get a saddle horse. So I like very early on was very DIY. I kind of like using basic intuition and some past experience, but found that I really, I found a purpose in that with helping those horses. And so I realized in order for me to be able to help those horses find homes, I had to get better. Mm -hmm. And then I started my own knowledge dive into the horsemanship type deal, which took me to learning I got in a pretty bad wreck just because I didn't know any better with one of the horses at that rescue. And looking back on it, it's a funny story, but it's not funny at the same time. Yeah. As you look back on it, you're like, oh, that was a totally bad idea. Yeah. Like, yeah. Then it was just like, oh yeah, we'll try this out. And when you end mm-hmm. up next to the gutters on the barn, it's not always a great, great deal. Not ideal. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I got introduced to the Vaquero style horsemanship, which is a originates out in California. It's a Buck, Brandeman, Ray Hunt, Tom Dorrance style horsemanship. And I saw it the night that I got hurt. <laughs> the night that I got hurt, we were going to see this film and which came out in like 2012-ish. Okay. And so I went and saw that. I was like, holy moly, there's not just a way to do this that other people already teach, but these guys are making a living doing it. Hmm. And so that was an eye-opening experience because I came from small town USA and I was like, I'm just getting advice from the people kind of in that area. And that opened up the floodgates. I went to the University of Kentucky for an equine science and management degree where I really got to network. I really got to connect with some leading professionals, got some fantastic internships, went from there worked with one of the major clinicians for a year and a half where I lived in a horse trailer and we zigzagged the country every three to four days, going to all your major expos, going wow. and teaching clinics around the country, working with some fantastic other horsemen because they did a lot of entertainment. So we got to collaborate a lot with kind of like your equine performance shows and got to learn a lot like that. And then ended up going off on my own when Meredith and I got engaged. So yeah, it's it's been a heck of a journey. I was telling somebody this morning, this is going into my 11th summer of wow. ever being around horses. So I have to kind of sometimes remind myself because I kind of go hard and fast and furious with trying to learn and develop a business that this isn't unreasonably unnew. Like, like there's a lot that we've kind of packed in the last 10 years. So right, far. totally. So, yeah, so that's kind of where I got started. And today we, like I mentioned earlier, like we train horses for the public. We teach a lot of clinics. We teach lessons every week and we do a lot. Our main focus is horse and human education to really help people. So we work with a lot of adult amateur hunter jumper and dressage riders, as well as working with some very high level professionals, a lot of FEI type prospects as well for starting those horses on their saddle. Wow. So I know that, like you were saying, you have definitely a holistic horseman's approach Mm -hmm. to training. How did that come to be as far as, obviously, you had an interest in training horses. 
And then obviously the the second half of the deal is working with, you know, clients and that a lot of times those two things don't go together as far as things that you are good at training. Right. I know, you know, from personal experience, it seems like usually you prefer one over the other. Do you prefer one over the other? Do you find that one is more challenging than the other? What has been your experience with bringing that holistic approach together? So I think there's always challenges. I mean, when when you get noted as a guy that starts a lot of young horses under saddle, people will assume that you deal with problem horses or horses right. that have had a lot of human issues. So fortunately for my own education, I do get a lot of tricky horses. I would rather the horses not be put in that situation in the first place to where they have to go through a lot of unideal type situations, whether they have bad associations to showing or they're mm-hmm. just having issues, whatever the deal is. I would rather be able to help people learn how to see that those issues arising before they ever become a problem mm-hmm. and just redirect everything. Certainly we joke on a day-to-day basis that the horses are the easy part, right? And for the most part, that's true. Mm-hmm. But from my standpoint, I'm really devoted and really passionate about the human education side of it because the horses don't stay with me forever. Right. And even with people that do buy a horse, sometimes something happens and you have to sell it or you bought a horse to resell. And so it's really important for me as far as an efficiency and a long-term impact to realize that we all will work with multiple horses throughout our lifetimes. We'll own multiple horses throughout our lifetimes. And maybe we're at a of a show or at our barn and we see somebody having trouble and we can offer some genuine, authentic, effective horsemanship advice, or maybe advice to a person of what they could change about what they're doing, to help their horses. And because ultimately at the end of the day, we all want the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to be able to go out and enjoy our horses and enjoy being around them. But we all have either been in a situation or known somebody that didn't enjoy being around their horse because of whatever situation had come up. And so from the, from the holistic side, I think that really just started with my more intuitive, natural approach when I didn't know anything Mm -hmm. in the round pen at that rescue. I just knew I wanted to get these horses. Okay. With certain things that they needed to learn. Right. And then I started getting the knowledge from learning from other people, getting the exercises that would make this work. And the things that we actually need to teach these horses so they can be effective, whether you're going to go down the center line and dressage ring or jump a course in the hunter ring or run a fast time and be efficient and have nice, you know, equi- not necessarily equitation, but have really good performance and handiness in your jumping classes. Like that takes a lot of different elements. And a lot of times from a training side, we want to put that responsibility on our horses. But honestly, on my side, from the holistic type of approach, It's the mental, the physical, the emotional, and the spiritual components of working with our horses. And oftentimes that starts with us. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm working with people, I'm like, hey, we need to get your horse on the same page. I don't question that. We need to get you on the same page too. And Mm -hmm. so when we're training horses, like our program work that when your horse is ready, you come for as many lessons as you can possibly come to. doesn't cost you any extra money. It's already in your training. And I'm there to help you step-by-step step understand the groundwork, understand the round pin work if your horse is at that place, and understand how to work with your horse to develop what we want. We would like a horse that enjoys their job. We want a horse that is relaxed, that is focused, and that is understanding what we're asking them, and is ready to go to work and do their job and enjoy it. So it, it takes a lot of different components. And I think the holistic side is basically we need to understand how our horses think 
and we need to understand how they communicate. And when we understand how they communicate, we got to listen to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that in itself will change a lot. And it's because we have to become more present. We have to become more self-aware of what we're doing, of what our horse is doing. And it's not like this one-way communication where I just get to sit on my horse and jump the course and not think about anything else other than what I need to do. There's a lot of value in riding school masters. And for us, when we're developing ourselves in our own equitation, our own riding ability, go ride the school masters. My wife and I spent a week in Portugal in January where we rode Grand Prix level schoolmaster horses and dressages, all bunch of Lusitana stallions. Wow. Because we needed to focus on us for a time. And then when we come back here, we have to work focus on ourselves and we got to focus on our horses. Mm-hmm. So there's times where you need to go work on you. And sometimes that's like, hey, go to the gym, meditate, challenge yourself in some other way outside of your horses. Keep improving yourself mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually when you're away from your horse. And then when you are with your horse, be with your horse, mm-hmm. do your best, be confident in what you know, then reflect on it after and say, oh, I could have done that better. But there's a lot of dynamics and it's basically really boils down to understanding our horses and how they think and understanding. I think a lot of times we spookiness is one of the easiest examples, right? And it's understanding like we're working with a prey animal and when we're working with a prey animal, when they feel that scared, they have to survive. Right. And if we say, by God, like you need to be here and you need to stay right here between my hands and my legs, we disregard their natural instinct for survival Mm -hmm. versus saying, hey, working with them in a way and not putting them in a position where they might spook. But then if they do, being there and saying, hey, I understand why you did that. I really need you to stay focused on me because I'm here and I'm paying enough attention to coach you through this. And a lot of it, gets a little woo-woo out there a little bit because a lot of it is where your mind is at and how you respond to what your horse does. And if you do that consistently, if you do it in an understanding way, if you do it in a confident way and you have enough intentionality, your horse will respond to that. Your horse will make phenomenal changes just on some of those things. And it doesn't always have to be a training aid fix to a problem. Right. So tell me, let's say you have an eight-year-old hunter come in to your care that you are training and not necessarily a freshness issue, but just spooks at every little thing that he can find the excuse to spook on. What's a process that you go through to get him to be okay and for the uh, rider to be okay with the the situation? So... The spookiness, and it's funny, this has been a constant theme the last couple of weeks with helping people with these types of things. And maybe because we're not horse showing as much, so we're actually able to focus on fixing some of these issues that we've kind of been bypassing, right? And so with the spookiness, basically your horse is going to focus on something. And I'd rather it be on me personally. And the more focused our horses get in a healthy way, the more relaxed And so what I end up doing is when I work with my horses, I'm a big proponent of groundwork. So if it was sent to me in training, I'm probably going to go to the round pen, but I could do this in the arena on a, with a halter and a lead rope as well with just basic groundwork. And all I'm going to be doing is I'm going to gauge where my horses at. Maybe if they're a little spooky, they're probably a little high on their toes or probably moving a little faster than I want them to because they have tension in their body, right? They're, if they're going to spook at some, you feel it like, First, their mind's going to that place, but then their body, their shoulders, their barrel, their hips, everything starts to get tight. And you're like, oh, geez. Mm-hmm. But then the problem is we tighten up when we're on right. them a lot of times. And that only is going to throw fuel on the fire. So I might work with them on the ground. And 
I'm just basically going to ask them to work probably on an eight to 10 foot circle. And I'm just going to ask them to keep a nice distance around me. And I'm going to be very intentional about, Hey, can you step this hind foot over? If you, they, they keep walking on top of me, I might say, Hey, I need you to back up. And so if they step two steps forward, I ask them to go two steps back. If they drift to the left, I ask them to go to the right. If they go to the right, I go to the left. And it's not, to, I'm not doing it in a way to say, you're wrong. When you go left, you need to go right because I want to self offset them. I'm just giving them something to focus on. And when they're a little bit worried about it, I just redirect the energy. I don't try to stop the energy. I just mm-hmm. give it somewhere to go. So if they feel like they need to move their feet, it's like, fine, you can move your feet, but we're going to go to the left. And then we're going to go to the right. And then I'm going to start to get them to focus through the changes of direction. And very gradually, without, I don't fight with them because there's no sense. It's just going to give it a negative aso- association of the horse. And it's not going to do our relationship any good. And ultimately, it's probably going to make them more worried. And so versus kind of tying them down or doing anything like that, I'm just going to say, hey, if, if you need to move your feet, move your feet. And within a few minutes, if you're present enough and you're aware enough of what they're doing, they'll start to go, holy cow, you're actually paying attention to me. And then they start to realize that when I notice that they get worried, I say, hey, I see that. I see that you got worried about that. And a lot of times if we're riding our horses, I think a lot of equestrians can relate to they, the horse looks at something on the outside of the rail, but then the ribs come to the inside. Right. So when I'm riding my horses or if I'm doing groundwork, I am building a very strong thought process in my horses that when I put a leg on my horse, if, when I pick up on the reins, it is not there to control them. It is not there to stop them. It is there to help them relax and to find the answer for what I'm doing. So if my horse balks at something on the outside of the arena, I might pick up on an inside rein or put my inside leg on just a little bit, but it's because they got tight in the ribs and they bulged in, not because you bulged in and I didn't want you to fall off the rail. And so what I did didn't necessarily change, but how I presented what I did changed everything. And then there's, of course, certain situations where if your horse is so tore up about something and they're so worried, don't try to cram them up against it. Mm-hmm. If I know that they're going to, if you're riding down the, the outside line and they drift to the inside and you know, like they're, you're not stopping them, do not put your leg on because you're just going to teach them to run through the leg. Right. So I just go with them, sit back, keep your shoulders and core engaged and go with them and then figure out where their comfort line is. And then I use those types of things to work my body control because I can use a turn on the forehand, a turn on the haunches, a half pass, a side pass, a rein back or walking forward into the contact to get them focused on me. Right. But anytime I pick up on a rein, anytime I use my leg, it is there to help them relax. And it's, it takes time because you have to, for a lot of horses and for us, we have to retrain our minds and their minds on what those aids mean to them. And so a lot of times it's not necessarily what we do, but it's how we do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I worked with one yesterday. I'm starting under saddle for a hunter jumper farm here in Lexington. And he was pretty dodgy yesterday. And within about 45 minutes of basic groundwork, this horse hasn't been started under saddle, but we had him to where he was almost ready to saddle. And like, Mm. this thing was pretty feral to begin with, but it was just letting him express himself, understand that what he's doing is because he feels like he needs to. And 
if we understand horse psychology, you know, if they kick out, sometimes it's disrespect, but sometimes it's defensiveness. So we have to look at where does that come from? You know, if your horse kicking out your leg, have you bypassed their threshold of what they're okay with? And now they're trying to defend themselves or are they kicking out just because they, they're being a little lazy and we just say, Hey, Hey, go on, let's go. Like no big deal. You know, it's very important to understand that we relate to our horses and try to understand where they're coming from and why they're doing what they're doing. Because most of the time our horses aren't doing things because they want to be bad. Right. You know, they want to be okay. And so we have to be able to take a big, deep breath. They need to take a big, deep breath as well and get that and really focus and relax into what we're working on with them. Mm -hmm, Totally. I mean, it seems like there's always such a fine line between a horse that's maybe testing the waters Mm -hmm. and then a horse that is reacting out of something that they're afraid of, something that happened in the past to them. And you probably see that a lot and have to analyze what side of that line that horse tends to teeter on. I'm sure it's case by case, but what do you use to determine where each of your horses in your training program is at? Yeah, that's a, a phenomenal question because it is a fine line. And personally with me, for as type A as all of us horse people are, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm very forgiving a lot of times, but I also ride with a lot of intentionality. I, when I ride my horses, I think about putting the, putting the location in on my GPS and going down the road. That I'm following the directions. That GPS has an exact plan of where I'm going mm-hmm. and how fast I need to go to get there and where I need to make my turns. And it gives me a guiding force. So for me, when I'm riding my horses, I'm trying to be the GPS. A lot of times with young green horses, they need to, you almost need to ride them out in front. They need to know two laps around the arena in front of them that they haven't completed yet that where they're going. Mm -hmm. Because that gives them confidence that you have a plan on how to help them. As our horses get more confident in themselves, which is something I'm really big on making sure that happens, because if they're just confident in the rider if they were just confident in me as the trainer there's no for sure thing that the the owner can get on and be okay those horses we're not a crutch for them we're there to help them and we need to be real with ourselves about where they're at not where we want them to be but where they are at themselves and then try to hand that responsibility over to them there are times as and it ultimately all boils down to listening to your horse right there are times where we might think is something is quote unquote ridiculous that they spook at. We have to peel it back and go, was it ridiculous or did it just happen? And we just got to not worry about it and keep going. Mm -hmm. There might be some horses that will test the waters a bit. And I think that comes from someone knowing their horse. If you really know your horse, you can, and I hate this word, but you feel, you can feel the difference in your horse's mindset of when that happens. And there's times where we have, I call it firm, but fair. There are times where, and as holistic as things get, they need to go to work. They need to be accepting of the aids. And it is our job to present those things to them in a way that they can enjoy them. Mm-hmm. But I get plenty of spoiled horses in that have never had a work ethic. Mm-hmm. But I have learned, I don't change that in a week. You'll shut them down. You will shut them down. They'll go internalize. And some horses will just eat their feelings and they will get ulcers and they'll have all kinds of internal troubles. They'll have physical tensions that show up and you're like, gosh, why he's lame. He's like, cause his mind's so tight that his body's tight. Or you have other horses that say, 
you know what? I'm pretty extroverted about this. I'm going to start bucking, rearing, kicking out, running off and doing this stuff. Yeah. So the holistic side is going at the pace of the horse. I tell people I go as fast as the horse is ready for, but as slow as we need to. Mm -hmm. And that depends on the horse. And the, the more you can listen to them and the more that you let them know you're listening, the more you can help them and the faster you can progress together. Before we get in a word from our sponsor, I want to talk about them for a little bit because I have worked with and worn Tucker Tweed Equestrian products for a while now, and I love them. The quality leather is amazing, and I'm always wearing their Wellington wristlet and their backpack. The products are stunning. If you are familiar with Tucker Tweed Equestrian, then you most likely know and have seen how often they promote their retail partners. With the cancellation of a number of nationwide horse shows, many retail partners are missing out on key opportunities to see and service their clients. So, to support their partner tax stores, Tucker Tweed is encouraging you to shop tax store websites during those Miss Horse Show dates or purchase through Tucker Tweed directly, but then make sure to tag the respective tax stores in the order notes. This way, we can all support tax stores and each tax store receives credit for any purchases made. Thank you so much for that reminder, Jill Tweedy, founder of Tucker Tweed. You are amazing, Jill. Thank you for everything that you're doing. Okay, let's get back to the episode. A lot of us trainers, we have the horses that we ride and then have our clients, their horses, so have them lesson on them. And kind of like what you were talking about before with a little bit of a crutch mentality, they go great when you're riding them and then you you pass them along and, and have someone else, the owner, ride them and it's a different ride. Um, and I'm sure a lot of that has to do with the horse's confidence, like you were saying. What are some things that you can do or any listeners listening in can do to build up their horse's confidence so that no matter who's on their back as much as possible, that they will feel that similar confidence. So consistency is ultimately the number one thing. So I've had, as a trainer myself, I occasionally have working students and interns that are with us and Mm -hmm. Meredith's an amateur of all amateurs, but I will ask her like, Hey, don't put a training ride on this thing, but Hey, can you just get on it once it's really broke and just let me know what you think because a lot of times I'm the only one that's been on these horses right and it is very important I've learned over the time to make sure that these horses have consistent experiences from person to person because I know when I send them home they're going to be with their owner so mm-hmm. a lot of times owners will tell me I don't want anybody else riding my horse I hired you to ride my horse I'm like so you want to be the second one that's ever sat on its back and they're like maybe not and that's a kind of an easy way to kind of make a joke out of it Mm -hmm. to break the surface and say hey this is in your horse's best interest because I have somebody here that understands the way your horse has been educated and it will give your horse a very similar ride they'll it'll have a little different feel to it because they're you know different person but the methodology behind it and the way we use our aids are very consistent and that will build confidence in your horse now with consistency has to come a little bit of changing things up. Mm-hmm. So I'm a real big fan of cross training my horses. You can really work a horse in hand. Like if you're in a classical dressage, there is phenomenal ways to work your horse in hand. And so like for us, every Monday we work in hand because they've had the weekend off usually. And every Monday I was like, you know what? They've had the weekend off. It might be maybe a little fresh or maybe they're just feeling good. So I'm going to work them in hand. And they all get a really good workout in. Mm -hmm. They get to ride outside of the arena. They ride in the indoor arena. They ride in the outdoor arena. Today, actually, with it 
with just everything we've had going on, I was working them in hand over jumps. And so I was working all of them. I mean, I've got dressage horses, I've got ranch horses, every horse went through that because it gives them new experiences. And what ends being the consistent part is how we do things, Mm -hmm. how I ask that horse to go and move out onto the circle for the lunging or or even if I'm riding, like when I go to the jump, it's going to be the same way I approach going into a creek. Of course, I'm not going to ask him to jump the creek, but I'm saying, hey, stay straight, stay supple, stay soft, stay relaxed, Mm -hmm. and stay listening to me in this. And so you give them a lot of different experiences, but you don't push them past what they're ready for. Right. And so that's that's ultimately the thing is we have to remember where they're at, not where we want them to be, and that'll Mm -hmm. really help them out. Yeah. In terms of general horsemanship and having riders gain more knowledge as to what they can do with their horses. What are some tools, whether that's any online resources or things that you have found helpful in gathering that knowledge and learning more about overall horsemanship? Yeah, you bet. So with online learning, I mean, particularly with what everything is going on these days, this is a phenomenal time. I'm really big, like I mentioned earlier, on the human development side of things. And so a lot of times we want to work on our horses when we're with our horses, but there's so much that we can do personally outside of our time with our horses, eat healthy, mm-hmm. work out a little bit, do yoga, meditate. All those types of things are very important to serve our horsemanship. For us, there's people you can go learn from and they'll keep the, the tools of the trade, the secrets to themselves. I don't believe in that personally. I'm really big on peeling it back. So like Meredith and I have created like an online video library on YouTube right now. That's over 165 full training videos, everything from philosophy and approach to training sessions with halter breaking young horses to starting colts under saddle, teaching our horse how to tie, how to trailer load, you know, starting horses over fences, like all kinds of basics all across there. We'll touch on a variety of disciplines and we've created that on YouTube all for free, but then most recently we've created our inner circle membership. I'm really, really excited about this because it's launching first of May, 2020. And what the inner circle is going to be is packed full of sections on philosophy and approach. So all the things that we need to know in our heads, not necessarily the tools and the exercises, but all the things of how we would deal with certain situations, understanding how horses think all the things we've kind of touched on here already as well as the how-to videos. So cool. you're going to you're gonna see from horses that already know how to do it because I want you to be the person to be able to see what, when I'm teaching, how I'm doing, what I'm doing with my hands, where I'm standing, or how my position in the saddle is. And you, then you can also pay attention to the horse. Then we've also created case studies. So we've been, I've been starting a lot of colts with this time of year. So we have the real raw, it's the only thing that's edited is the title screen and the exit on the end, but it is all real. It's all raw. I've had a horse in for training, for example, that everyone's kind of been following that he's a 10 year old Oldenburg. He's like 18 two, and they couldn't get him on a trailer for like two and a half years. Wow. And so I brought him in. I noticed, okay, yes, we have a trailer loading issue because of course I had to get him on the trailer to get him to the farm. Yeah. And so that was, that went, we got him here, but I noticed he had what we would call a lot of difficulty in the proprioception in his feet. So he lacked a lot of awareness in his, in his legs, but also in his entire body. Hmm. So the approach I took to help that horse with trailer loading was to then build his self-awareness about how he carries himself and how he uses himself on the ground to then build his confidence in himself. So that when I go to reapproach the trailer, 
essentially would never be an issue. And we filmed it. And the very first time I ever asked him to get on the trailer as like per normal routine, he just walked right on. Wow. It was really cool because like the owners tell me like he's so big. He's got all of his own struggles with being a horse that's 18 too. They're Mm -hmm. like, he really struggles in his lateral work. He struggles with engagement. We've had a couple injuries and I'm like, well, he's probably had a couple injuries because he's been compensating because he doesn't really have the mental and neurological development that he needs to have. So we've filmed that entire process and we're doing that with all sorts of horses from horses that don't necessarily have problem issues to horses that do. and showing people the how-to exercises as well as the real raw training that people would experience at home or with their trainer so that they can access this on their phone while they're at the farm. And we're going to have a community of folks and then they're going to get access to all sorts of things. Like we teach clinics, we're going to do webinars and stuff like that. We're going to be live with them every month to help answer questions. So community is really important to me. And then also being authentic and having a real effective horsemanship that for the folks that really are willing to put the work in, a lot of people like the sound of the things that I say, mm-hmm. but they're not really willing to put the work in. Yeah. And this is something we have to work at. And I think there's a lot of the questions out there that can appreciate that because they pour blood, sweat, and tears into their horses. And sometimes it is frustrating. And it, I mean, I'm learning new things every single day and I am there. And so I'm an open book. I don't come across and tell people I know it all. Like, I might tell you, I might put something in the membership one month and the next month go ride with somebody else and learn something totally better. And I'm going to take that. I'm going to put that in the membership and say, Hey, this is what I learned. Mm -hmm. And this is why I would recommend you try this with your horse versus what I did in the past, because I know better today. Right. It's like kind of the mentality, like why not help someone else so that they don't have to go through as long of a process that you went through in your, in your knowledge. Yeah. I mean, one of the best investments we can make is to learn from those that have already put the time in. Mm -hmm. And I was talking with a friend of mine just last night and when we're talking about people that are getting closer to the end of their professional writing careers and we're seeing what are the changes they're making in their business and in their personal life based on what they find important and what is effective. And now I'm telling myself, well, why wouldn't I try to start there? Yeah. I have the knowledge but why don't I try to build the structures in my own life that these guys that have a lifetime of experience have said, Hey, I've worked my whole life to get to this point, And this is what I find valuable. And this mm-hmm. is how I would do it. If I, uh, how I am going to do it from here on out, but how I would do it if I did it all over again, I'm not one to sit around and not pay attention to that. I'm saying, Hey, that is really important. So we're making changes in our business. We're making changes with how we develop our horses so that they don't, essentially need hawk injections at six years old right and we can develop our horses our whole motto is to educate horses and people with a lifetime in mind and that means mentally physically emotionally and spiritually in every realm of how we do things with our horses and so yeah it's a big undertaking but to me if i was somebody that was really wanting needing some help with my horse and i was doing it on my own or even if i'm another professional this is an approach that works with horses. It doesn't just work with hunters. It doesn't just work with spicy dressage horses or hot Mm -hmm. jumpers. Like this approach that we use, we use with, you know, lazier quarter horses and reiners and we use it with ranch horses and we use it with the hunters and the jumpers and the dressage horses. Like it is horse psychology. And fortunately, because I like teaching so much, I've broken it down into understandable pieces that won't overwhelm people in the process and that you can digest it and go, that makes sense. And you can, it's a self-paced thing. You can watch it all and you won't be able to watch it all in one weekend. Cause there's, <laughs> we're going to have hundreds and hundreds of hours of video available and we're adding to it every single month. Wow. And so it's not like you're buying a course and that's the course you get. Like 
we're, we have a preset of what's going to be available first, but then I know the horses that I have coming in and that I'm training and they're getting uploaded. So we'll constantly be adding new education and I'm taking lessons with other professionals too. And I'm going to film those and I'm going to put those up there and expose all my flaws because I want other people to learn from those and say, okay, yeah, he's not doing this well, but he's working on it. And I'm out there wanting to be like the gold mine to be able to say, Hey, I'm going to learn so I can help you guys learn faster. Right. I mean, there's always the stereotype that trainers are perfect. And I think we put that pressure on ourselves too. Like, Oh, if you're a professional, you have made it even though like a lot (laughs) of us, like I turned professional when I was 22, like there's no way, there's no way that I know close to everything. So I think that having that mentality of being a lifelong learner, like you have taken on, I think is really cool. And it, brings, I guess, a lot of people to you because they see your transparency that you mm. you don't claim to be perfect, but you try to take in as much as you can and learn from as many people as you can. And it's obviously paying off. It seems like your program has been thriving and I'm so excited for the courses. It's going to be so cool. Would you say that there is an area of the industry that you are particularly passionate about that you feel like the rest of the industry either doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk enough about? I I think we've really hammered it home here a little bit, but it is the human element to the horse training Mm -hmm. for me. And I'll be real and raw with you on this. The horses are an incredible vessel for what I'm trying to do. So I got into the horses because I love the horses. And I think they, they give us an incredible opportunity to better ourselves and to better those around us. And for me, these horses have given me such an opportunity to learn from so many people, to be connected with so many people, for Meredith to be so connected with so many people. We get to travel and I get to go to the barn every day and work with horses, which in itself is a luxury. Mm-hmm. But also, it's the human element because I think that we will make astronomical changes in our lives for the benefit of our horses. Mm-hmm. And when we really strip that down and we really look at what that is, that means we're changing the way we live to be a happier, healthier, more present, more self-aware person as who we are. That's not just going to affect your horse. I've become more and more aware of this, that as we do these things, as I work with students and I say, Hey, you know, it wouldn't be bad if you really want to get better about this, that you tried these certain things at home. You try to meditate, you try to do a deep breathing routine. You try to challenge yourself in some way and you take on these other things outside of their horses, it will improve and maybe change the dynamics for a healthier marriage or better relationship, better friendships, be more clear in how you run your business. And I think that for me, if anything happens out of all of this, if I can help people live healthier, happier, live better lives, have a better marriage, like while that is the byproduct of what I'm doing, because I'm trying to help people with their horses, to me inside, that is way more important than anything else. Because horses are, I don't think they necessarily reflect to us, but they respond to how we are and what right. we are and what we do. And so if we sometimes don't like the reflection that we're seeing or the response that we're seeing from our horses, if we can be humble enough to look back in ourselves and go, I can take that deep breath. And you look at your horse and you give them a few minutes and you see their nose start to twitch and their eyes start to blink a little bit more and you see their posture change and they do the same thing. You're like, "Mm, it really kind of just starts here. Yeah. Um, The human element is so important. And I, 
you talked about this uh, a second ago about trainers putting other students on the horses and then not having a similar ride. And I mm-hmm. think that's where it becomes important that as horsemen and women in the industry that have students of all ages and abilities, that we give them the opportunity and we assist them in the opportunity to become horsemen and women themselves, because you're always training your horse. And one of the things that Meredith has pointed out to me since we've been married and we ride together is that a lot of times, particularly in the English industry, I find that the trainer rides the horse from the ground when the student is riding. So the rider is just responding to what the trainer is saying to do. They don't understand why or how they're doing mm-hmm. it. They're just like, I just do this and the horse <laughs> does it. And it's like we, as professionals, we know that we can coach our students that way. But when I do a lot of lessons, I say, go out there and warm your horse up. Mm-hmm. Like I'm still watching, but I was just like, I just want you to do you. I want you to go out there and warm your horse up. Or if they really need help, I'm going to give them some instructions. I'm going to help them. But I want them to go ride, experience, try things, figure out what works, figure out what doesn't work. You can't screw your horse up. Mm-hmm. You know, if you mess something up, you're going to have to learn how to fix it. And that's right. the journey. And it might be a little frustrating. And that's why you go ride with other professionals because they can help you fix things or they can help you find answers and things that you want with your horse sooner. So that's the benefit of riding from these people. But I think it's so important that we develop ourselves. We develop our self-awareness, our skill sets with our horses and all the things we've already touched on within ourselves. And I don't want to say take the pressure off the horses, but realize that they're not the only element in this deal. It is a two-way street. It is a relationship that you're building with your horse, hopefully. And I think we need to take some responsibility for ourselves and realize that it's amazing. You can make big changes or you just be reasonable about it and make a small change in your mm-hmm. day-to-day life or make a small change with the attitude that you go out to the barn with. And when you work with your horse, try to get, try to take that second when your horse looks a little tight, when you go to catch him in the stall, just pause and wait and look at him, watch him. I bet you he flips his ears to and he looks at you and he goes, Oh, you waited on me. Cause you noticed you told me that you were present enough. And you noticed that I wasn't okay. Cause you came in a little too fast because this is my room and you ran in here. You know, just changing those little things will fundamentally change the way your horse looks at you and like it can affect your rides and it'll change the way you feel when you leave the barn. Hopefully you feel like uh, you're happy you can laugh about it and say, hey, we got a great ride. We all don't have great rides. I mean, we have rides where we're like, gosh, that could have been way better. Yeah. But we move on. And so I think it's, I think the big part is us as professionals helping people develop themselves so that they can be successful with their horses. I understand it's not a sustainable business model because we're, then people can go do it themselves. But at the same time, I think if you do it in a way that is authentic and you say, Hey, I'm open. I want you to be able to do this on your own. A lot of times people don't leave. They stick yeah. right around because you're, you're still learning and they're still right. learning. Right. So it might seem like you're going to put yourself out of business on a professional side, but I've done it this way since I went off on my own and everything's continued to grow. And I I think that people are aware of it, but I think we need to take some action on it. I love that. I love that you said that. And I think it's so important. And what you said about there's always going to be something that you're working on. And what would be the fun in a relationship with a horse that's just like a robot and perfect and has no flaw? Like I get the other end of the spectrum. It can be frustrating or if there's certain things that um, you don't know how to work through. But what's the point in riding a robot? It's supposed to be an animal with a personality and a 
mind and loves certain things and, and wants to have a relationship with you, wants to please you. And so I think that's a really good point that you don't strive towards something where like, okay, you've arrived, you checked all the things off the list and now your horse is going to be perfect. That's just not reality. So I think that's a really great point. And I'm so excited to see and continue to follow your journey with your program and so excited to get on your online courses and to learn more that way too. Because I think that your ability to work with so many different disciplines is amazing. And it shows people that at the end of the day, it's a horse and they can really benefit from so many different ways of training. And I think that that's pretty incredible. So Colton, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and I wish you all the best. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. All right, that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much and I will talk to you next week.